Our scripture today comes from James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. Knowing this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, and goes away, and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is righteous or religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. This is the word of the Lord. When I was in graduate school, I um, was told I was required to take a class on listening. And I was caught off guard by that. How in the world could you study for an entire semester listening? But I did and discovered so many things I didn't know about how to listen, the importance of listening. This morning, as we continue in this series called Habits, we are looking at the habit, seek first to understand and then to be understood. Seek first to understand and then to be understood. What this habit assumes is a posture of listening. Now, you might say, well, Jerry, isn't that a gimme? Like, don't People listen and then they respond. Uh, The reality is that many of us listen already anticipating what the other person is going to say, right? So you listen already anticipating what the other person is going to say. And before they get it out of their mouth, you're responding as if you knew what they were already going to say. And so you're really not listening at that point. You're, you're just ready, aim, fire for what's going to come out of your mouth. Listening then is tough, tough work. Uh, seek first to understand and then be understood. I have a problem sometimes of thinking ahead, of judging, of anticipating what's coming, even at times interrupting and finishing sentences for somebody else. I know I'm not the only one in here who does that, but I do from on time to time. And so it's fitting on the day in which we ordain uh, Lynn and Doug into uh, the deacon ministry of grace that we talk about this habit of listening, of seeking first to understand and then be understood. One of our top ten values at grace is servant leadership. It means there are no big eyes and little U's at grace. It means there's not a group that has a lot of power. It, it means that leadership does not equal power here. Uh, at, at grace, we are all on the same uh, footing. Uh, we are only here by the grace of God, and we'll look into that as we go. 
James in this passage is writing to Jewish believers who are scattered throughout Asia Minor. They have been persecuted and so they're spread all over the place and there's a tendency for them to uh, listen uh, to everybody else but one another and to God. And so let's look into that. We'll discover two principles this morning. First of all, seek first to understand others. And secondly, seek first to understand God. Seek first to understand others and seek first to understand God. Winston Churchill said, courage is what it takes to stand up and speak. Courage is also what it takes to sit down and listen. And he is right. Uh, Verse 19, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Uh, Wendy and I were on our honeymoon. It was uh, uh, one morning I was having my quiet time through the book of James and came across this verse. And that morning at breakfast, I said, honey, I think this should be our verse. For our first year of marriage, this is it. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. In the early service, she was standing beside me. And when we uh, uh, got to that verse in the scripture reading, she just squeezed my hand a couple of times. Why? Because that became our verse. We put it on the fridge and we tried to live by it for that first year of marriage. We totally trashed it the rest of our marriage, but just kidding. But we took that verse and God used that verse and began to set it deep in our hearts. Be uh, uh, quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Why slow to anger? James explains himself because he says, For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Can I say something to you this morning? Seldom or maybe if ever in your anger have you come out on the righteous end of things. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. What is the righteousness of God? It's two things. It's his moral purity and his faithfulness. All right, so if God is morally pure, but he doesn't act on our behalf, then he's a distant deity off somewhere alone. But if he is morally pure and he acts on our behalf, what kind of amazing God we have, amen? And so his righteousness is his moral purity and his faithfulness. The anger of man does not produce moral purity, nor does it produce faithfulness. Most of us in our anger have said things that we go, if I could just take a net and kind of grab that back and bring it back in. But once the words are out, they're out, aren't they? Once the words are spoken, they are spoken. Uncontrolled anger leads to uncontrolled speech. Uncontrolled anger leads to uncontrolled speech speech. Seek first to understand others. Husband, this means your wife. Wife, this means your husband. Parents, your kids. If you have more than one, they're totally different. And what works for one will not work for another. Kids, your parents, bosses, your staff, staff, your bosses, Senegal team, 
one another, especially after eight or nine days of knowing everything about each other, which will happen by about day three, seek first to understand. Listen. Seek first to understand others. Gosh, our culture no longer applauds this. All you have to do is watch television now. News is a lot of what? Shouting. Just a lot of shouting. A lot of yelling and arguing on the screen. Uh, Secondly, seek first to understand God. If you say, uh, Jerry, this is a tall order. You've never worked for my boss. How in the world am I supposed to seek first to understand? Or you've never been married to my wife. How am I supposed to seek first to understand? Um, I would say to you, it is a tall order. I am so type A. I am so judgmental. I so jump to conclusions before people speak. I so struggle with this. How then do we do it? Well, James doesn't leave us helpless in that. Verse 21, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now, James gives a two-part process here. It's a fascinating one, and it is counterintuitive. It is unexpected. Part of it is woven, all of it is woven all through scripture, uh, but all of life, all of living for the Lord is doing two things, putting off or putting away and receiving, putting off or putting away and receiving. And one must happen before the other can happen, put off or put away. James isn't alone. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to do what? Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. All of us have an old sinful nature that stinks. It is corrupt. Do you know what the word corrupt means? Rotten. Nothing good is rotten, and nothing rotten is good. Rottenness, corruption, decay, that is our old sinful nature, corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God. Notice this, put away And be renewed. Put away and put on in true righteousness and holiness. Paul says again in Colossians 3, but now you must put them all away. He gives a list. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk. Don't lie to one another. Seeing that you have done what? Put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new. Which is, there the word is, being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Do you know what we'd love to see happen? Every one of us in this room. Here's what we'd love. Come to Christ, and immediately he does this renovation, and we never sin again. Wouldn't that be amazing? 
right? Come to Christ. Sin is gone. Never struggle. Never worry. Never go through it again. But that's not what God does. You put off the old and you are renewed or put on the new. A commentator I read this week says this, putting off sin involves a fight against a foe that takes many different forms. Like an army with soldiers, sin attacks us persistently and in many guises knock down one sin and another quickly arises to take its place. Amen? Oh yes, it's there, isn't it? It's there. It's like the endless whack-a-mole game. You whack one mole down, right? And you think, oh, greed, I'm I'm selfless. I I feel so selfless today. Greed is gone. And all of a sudden, you're proud for being selfless. You're like, ah, I'm proud for being selfless now. And so you deal with pride. And like you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And you deal with pride. And then lust pops up. You're like, where did that come from? And so lust pops up. And you deal with lust only, only for your temper to flare. And you're like, why is it? That's the way sin is. It comes in many guises. It comes in many forms. It comes in many devices. I've counseled people before. I've lived this out myself. Lived this out myself who said, oh wow, I feel such great victory over this area of sin in my life. And all of a sudden, this one pops up. That's the way sin is. You put off and you are renewed. You put off and you are renewed. Well... Sometimes the Old Testament gives us a vivid picture of what the New Testament explains. Uh, The Old Testament illustrates often what the New Testament describes or teaches. So let's go to Zechariah 3. Unbelievable. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. So let me pause here to say that the angel of the Lord almost always in the Old Testament, refers to a pre-incarnate appearing of Christ. Christ coming, uh, Christ showing up before he was born, right? The angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. So picture the scene. Joshua is the high priest. Jesus is there. Satan is there to accuse who? Joshua, the high priest. Why? And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? All right, so that's not the best translation ever of that word in the Hebrew. Because the word brand, I think of like maybe an instrument used to brand an animal. But the word literally means a piece of charred wood. Is not this a piece of charred wood plucked from the fire? What's happening? Joshua the high priest shows up before the Lord. And Satan is accusing him. Like, what are you doing standing here? Who do you think you are? Has that voice ever played through your mind? Who, who do you think, how do you think you deserve to be here in the presence of the Lord? And God uh, looks, the Lord looks at Satan and says, well... He's just a piece of charred wood. Why are you making fun of a piece of charred wood? That's all he is. You say, well, Jerry, what does that mean? Most often you and I think too highly of ourselves. 
were, were pieces of charred wood plucked from the fire before the fire of sin consumed us, right? That's all we are anyway. The psalmist would echo this thought when he says that God remembers that we are but dust. Okay, so you're like, Jerry, wow, this really goes against self-esteem. Amen. Amen. Self-worth is much better than self-esteem any day of the week. So if I'm just a piece of charred wood and I'm dust, let's, let's continue. Now Joshua was standing before the angel, that's Jesus, clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you in pure vestments. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments, and the angel of the Lord was standing by. What happened? Let's recreate the scene. Joshua shows up in the presence of the Lord. The high priest is only supposed to wear very clean garments, pure. He can't go into the Holy of Holies with that on. He shows up, Joshua, dirty garments. Satan's standing there going, see, I told you so. See, I told you. And the angel of the Lord, Jesus, steps up and says, take those clothes off. I'll dress him in new clothes. And so the angel of the Lord Dresses Joshua the high priest in new clothes. Why? So he can go into the presence of God. We say, Jerry, what does that have to do with putting off and putting on the new self? Here it is. Just track with me, all right? Track with me. Jesus' name comes from the Hebrew name what? Joshua. Comes from the Hebrew name Joshua. Jesus is going to come as our one, what? High priest. Do you know what Jesus is saying? He's looking at Joshua and saying, there's no way, Joshua. You're just a brand plucked from the fire. You're just a piece of dust. There's nothing you can do for yourself in my presence. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put on the dirty clothes you wear. I'm going to put on the skin of your infirmities, the skin of your sinfulness. I, without sin, will take your sin on myself. And on the cross, I will die for you. And when I die, for you on the cross. You, Joshua, the high priest, can be clothed or dressed or robed in my righteousness and the rest of your life is putting me on and putting that away. Putting me on and putting that away. Putting me on and putting that away. And as you do, you're renewed. Wow. It's an Old Testament picture of a New Testament reality. That for the rest of our lives, as we walk with the Lord, and for Lynn, and for Doug, as you lead and serve, for the rest of your lives, it's, it's putting off and putting on Christ. Putting off and putting on Christ. And as the whack-a-mole game of sin rears its ugly head, and it's going to, you put off and you put on Christ. That old song says, dressed in his righteousness alone. How do we stand? Faultless to stand. Before the throne. 
It's amazing. So you put off and Christ dressed us in his righteousness. And James says, receive the implanted word. So what is the implanted word? That word implanted always reminds me of Wofford, where I went to undergrad, in the springtime. Wofford's campus is beautiful, and it is covered in dogwoods. Dogwoods are everywhere. I love dogwood trees. Dogwoods are everywhere. In the winter, you have no idea of a reality until your first spring at Wofford. That somewhere years ago, botany students went and they took pink dogwoods and grafted them into white ones. And all of a sudden, when they begin to bloom, Wofford is awash in a sea of pink and white. And they're all in the same trees. I don't think, maybe there is, I don't think there's a tree at Wofford that isn't both pink and white dogwood. Absolutely beautiful. And do you know what you can't figure out? Well, was that tree pink first? Or was it white first? That's the power of the implanted word. When the word begins to inform your life. And you begin to exhibit the character of Christ. People will look at you and say, well, was that Kelsey before Christ? That's Kelsey. They, they see no difference between Kelsey and Christ. And the word implanted begins to grow. So, so what do you do? You receive that. Uh, Jeremiah thirty one thirty three another Old Testament picture for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days declares the Lord I will put my law within them and I'll write it on their hearts that's the implanted word and no longer shall they each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. All right, so for some of you, this is more recent. For some of you, this is a long time ago. But remember when you first came to Christ and all of a sudden you open up the Bible and what happened? You couldn't get enough. You're like, ah, I want more of this. And you found yourself up early in the morning reading the word. And you tune in and listen to that sermon and tune in and listen to that. Or you bump into somebody and you say, well, tell me, tell me about this. What do you think about this? That's what he's talking about. The implanted word, the word of God. But then James gives a warning. Do you know what the warning is? You hear the word and forget it. He says, if you hear the word and forget it, you're like somebody who looks at his face in a mirror. And then he sees himself and forgets what he looked like. And he goes away. So it's like getting up and, you know, maybe women more than men. I don't think men really care about this much. A few men do, but get up and, hey, you see your hair, it's disheveled. But you get busy and forget and you go out and you head to work. And you get to work and people look at you and go, ooh. Ooh, what happened? 
What happened? Well, you looked in the mirror just like your coworker did. You forgot what you looked like. The, the difference is not hearing. The difference is hearing and forgetting. All right, so some of my students are here. Today I teach it at Montre and before major tests. I usually pray for them. All right, so I pray. And I know what they want me to pray. They want me to pray for a miracle. Like God somehow just come down and infuse their brains with, with amazing knowledge and, and, and just fill them and fill this room with the knowledge of the Old Testament or the knowledge of the New Testament and they'll all make great grades and I never ever pray that. Do you know what I pray? God, please bring to their memory everything they've studied. And they're like, oh, why did you have to pray that? That means if I didn't study, I'm still toast. That's the reality. Please hear me. Do you know the most dangerous place you can be this morning? Sunday morning, the most dangerous place you can be is in a Bible teaching church. If you don't do the word. Because James says, you're just deceiving yourself. You come here, well, I heard. You may even talk about it at lunch on Monday. But you forget it by Tuesday. And the implanted word doesn't grow. And James says self-deception grows. And when self-deception grows, you think, well, I'm okay. I can do that. That's all right. Yeah, I can say that and that's okay. And we begin to rationalize and we slip into all kinds of sin The danger of self-deception, that's what James says. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. That's verse 25. I'm going to ask you, you men and your wives, to come up. And these men are going to sit in front of us this morning. I'm going to give you an opportunity to come around and say a word of blessing to them. And I'm going to tell you why they're seated why they're seated instead of standing. It's this tiny little word right here. You see, if you look at the word look at the beginning of uh, in verses uh, 21, 22, 23, 24, and then you look at the word look in the second part, it changes. Why? Uh, in verse 25, let me read it for you one more time. Verse 25, it says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. That word looks the second time around. James intentionally chooses it means to stoop down. It's the same word used to describe Mary Magdalene, out of whom seven demons was cast, when she came to see Jesus post-resurrection, but she didn't know he had resurrected. And she stooped down to look into the tomb to see if Jesus was in there. 
James, the half-brother of Jesus, must have had this on his mind. I can only imagine that he does because James also uses that word, or that word is also used to describe loudmouth Peter, right? Peter, talk about somebody who needs to learn, you know, to, to seek to understand and then be understood. Peter always spoke before he thought. And, and Peter stooped down to look into the tomb to see if Jesus was there. Please hear me this morning. This goes for me. This goes for you. This goes for these men sitting here. If we are going to learn anything from God's word, we will do it with a posture of humility and stooping down. It, 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 will, it will not elevate us. It will not draw attention to us. It will draw attention to our Lord. Amen. As we stoop down and humbly submit to his word. There are no big eyes and little U's. There, there's one Christ who reigns over all. Who stood there while we were there dressed in our dirty garments. And he said, take those off of Tim. Right? Take those off of Candy and Dory and Mike and Yvonne. Take those dirty garments off of Danielle. Take them off. And dress her, dress him in my righteousness. Why? Because Jesus on the cross wore our dirty garments. That we might know Christ and his righteousness. So men, I have a charge to you and I'll step down here with you. A few questions, and then you as a church have an opportunity to come and, and, and bless these men and their wives. Do you believe that in the call of this congregation, God himself is calling you to this holy office? If so, answer, we do. Do you believe that the Old and New Testaments are the word of God, the only infallible rule of faith and life? Do you subscribe to the doctrinal statements of Grace Community Church? Do you promise to do the work of your office faithfully in a way worthy of your calling and in submission to the leadership and discipline of the church? Lynn and Doug, you have received of the Lord Jesus to serve his church as a deacon according to the word of the apostles, that the elders and pastors may give themselves to the ministry of word and prayer. You are called to work with the pastors as heralds of Christ's kingdom. You are to proclaim the gospel in word and deed, to serve the community in which we live, bring into the church the needs and hopes of the people. You are to work with your fellow members in searching out the poor and weak, the sick and lonely, and those who are oppressed and powerless, reaching into the forgotten corners of the world, that the love of God may be visible. Even James in this passage goes on to describe that kind of religion, a religion that tames the tongue, a religion that loves orphans and widows, and a religion that keeps oneself unstained from the world. You are to labor to lead the lost to faith and bring them to baptism. You are called to assist in in administering communion and to minister to the sick and the housebound. You are to realize that benevolence is a quality of our life in Christ and not merely a matter of financial assistance. 
Therefore, minister to rich and poor alike, both within and outside the church. Weigh the needs of causes and use the church's resources discerningly. Be compassionate to the needy. Respect their need for dignity. Hold and trust all sensitive matters confided in you. Encourage them with words that create hope in their hearts and with deeds that bring joy into their lives. You are to let your lives be above reproach. Live as examples of Christ Jesus. Look to the interest of others. Therefore, we charge you before God and the Lord Jesus, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Lead the people of God in true religion, which the Apostle James says, again, is to visit orphans and widows in their trouble. Inspire faithful stewardship in this congregation. Remind us, quote, from everyone who has been given, much will be required. Teach us to be merciful. Prompt us to seize new opportunities to worship God with offerings of wealth, time, and ability. Be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Be servant to all. That in losing your life, you may indeed find it. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto you also are called. For those who have served well as deacons. Scripture says, obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And then this charge to you as a church before you come to uh, lay your hands on these. Uh, I charge you, people of God, to receive these deacons as Christ's gift to the church. Recognize in them the Lord's provision for healthy congregational life. Hold them in honor. Take their counsel seriously. Respond to them with respect. Accept their help and thanks. Sustain them in prayer and encourage them with your support, especially when they feel the burden of their office, and they will. Acknowledge them as the Lord's servants among you. Do you, congregation, pledge to receive them as you have been charged? If so, please say, we do. Let me pray. Father, what a privilege it is to serve you. It is a high and holy calling, yet one, as Joshua made clear in his appearance before you, we're simply brands plucked from the fire. Pieces of charred wood, dust assembled by you into persons that you have called. Bless these men in their service. Bless us as we shout forth the gospel in this county and all the way to Africa. And God's people say, amen. Here at Grace, if you're new, uh, when we ordain deacons or elders, we do so by giving you the opportunity to come and say a word of blessing. And so if you'll start to your right and come around this way, if you say, well, I don't know them or I'm a guest today, our folks at the Next Steps desk will be out there. They'd be glad to answer any questions, and you're free just to slip out if you'd like. But uh, Dave's going to play softly. Would you guys come and bless uh, these uh, families?